Hello, this is Tushta Krishna Das, and you're listening to ISKCON Denver podcast, where you can hear all of our classes and kirtans. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with others. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Shri Radha Madhava Ki Jai, Shri Shri Radha Govinda Ki Jai, Shri Shri Jagannath Baldev Shri Subhadra Devi Ki Jai, Shri Shri Garnitai Ki Jai, Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai, Tai Gaur Premanandi Hari Hari Bol, Namo Vishnu Paraya Vishnu Prashtaya Bhutte, Shri Desatsu Dasa Swami Kinnam, Namo Vishnu Paraya Vishnu Prashtaya Bhutte, Shri Devatthi Ramda Swami Kinnam, Namaste Saraswati Devi, Gauravani Pracharina, Devi Shesha Shinibari, Pastyade Shikari. Entitled The Sacrifice Performed by Daksha, Text 51. <coughs> Atmamayam Samavishya. Atmamayam Samavishya. Soham Guna Mayam Dvija. Sridhan Rakshan Haram Vishvan. Vishvam. Sri Jan Rakshan Haran Vishwam Dadre Sandhyam Kriya Chitam Atmamayam Samavishya Soham Guna Mayam Dvija Sri Jan Rakshan Haran Vishwam Dadre Sandhyam Kriya Chitam Would anyone like to chant Sanskrit? Om Namah Shivaya Om Namah Shivaya Om Namah Shivaya 
Uh, yes, I want. Please do. Atma mayam samavishya soham guna mayim dvija srijan raksham haran vishpam dadre samgyam kriyo chitam. Anyone else? Atma mayam samavishya soham guna mayim dvija Srijan Rakshan Haran Vishwam Tatum Samgyam Kriyochitam. Thank you. With meanings. Atma Mayam. Atma Mayam. My energy. My energy. Samavishya. Samavishya. Having entered. Having entered. Saha. Saha. Myself. Myself. Aham. Aham. I. I. Gunamayim. Gunamayim. Composed of the modes of material nature. Composed of the modes of material nature. Dvija. Dvija. O twice born Daksha. O twice born Daksha. Srijan. Srijan. Creating. Creating. Rakshan. Rakshan. Maintaining. Maintaining. Haran. Haran. Annihilating. Annihilating. Vishvam. <coughs> Vishvam. The cosmic manifestation. The cosmic manifestation. Dadri. Dadre, I cause to be born. I cause to be born. Samgyam, Samgyam, a name, a name. Kriya Uchitam, Kriya Uchitam, according to the activity. According to the activity. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai. Jai. The Lord continued, My dear Daksha Dvija, I am the original personality of Godhead. But in order to create, maintain, and annihilate this cosmic manifestation, I act through my material energy. And according to the different grades of activity, my representations <clears throat> are differently named. Please repeat. The Lord continued. The Lord continued. My dear Daksha Dvija. My dear Daksha Dvija. I am the original personality of Godhead. I am the original personality of Godhead. But in order to create, maintain, and annihilate. But in order to create, maintain, and annihilate. This cosmic manifestation. This cosmic manifestation. I act through my material energy. I act through my material energy. And according to the different grades of activity. And according to the different grades of activity, my representations are differently named. My uh, representations are differently named. Srila Prabhupada's purport. As explained in Bhagavad Gita 7.5, Jiva Bhutam Mahabaho. The whole world is energy released from the Supreme Source, the Personality of Godhead, who, it is further stated in Bhagavad Gita, acts in superior energies and inferior energies. The superior energy is the living entity, who is part and parcel of the Supreme Lord. As parts and parcels, the living entities are not different from the Supreme Lord. The energy emanated from him is not different from him. 
but in the actual activity of this material world, the living entity is under the different qualities of material energy and in different forms. There are 8,400,000 life forms. The same living entity acts under the influence of different qualities of material nature. The entities have different bodies, but originally, in the beginning of creation, Lord Vishnu is alone. For the purpose of creation, Brahma is manifested, and for annihilation, there is Lord Shiva. As far as the spiritual entrance into the material world is concerned, all beings are part and parcel of the Supreme Lord, but under the covering of different material qualities, they have different names. Lord Brahma and Lord Shiva are qualitative incarnations of Vishnu as Guna avatars, and Vishnu with them accepts control of the quality of goodness. Therefore, he's also a qualitative incarnation like Lord Shiva and Lord Brahma. Actually, the different names exist for different directions. Otherwise, the origin is one only. Omagyana Timirandasya, Gananjana Shalakaya, Chakshun Militangena, that's my Shri Guravena Maha, Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya, Prabhunitananda, Shri Arvaita Gadada, Shri Vasadi, Gauravakta Binda, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama. Rama Rama Hare Hare Panchakalpa Tarubhyascha Kripa Sindhu Devacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnapebhyo Namo Namaha So all the long stream of ecstatic prayers and glorification of Lord Vishnu on his grand appearance giving everyone the darshan has ceased. So the prayers are finished, glorifications are finished. Vishnu has very graciously and patiently listened to all these outpourings of love. And what does he do at this moment? He begins to talk. The Lord is reciprocating, says wonder upon wonder. The wonder of the Lord making his entrance so very quickly at the yagya. He came uh, very quickly as Daksha resumed the sacrifice, the sacrifice, the sacrificial ceremony. So not only do they get to, everyone gets to see God, but they they get to hear him. The Lord speaks, and the Lord is. We can see here from his speech to Daksha what he tells Daksha. We can see that. The Lord is a very expert speaker, very pleasing, and he's an expert judge of time, place, and circumstances. So he knows that whatever he does is perfect. It's right. What's also significant here, I found, is that the Lord chose Daksha to address uh, at first. There are great guna avatars here, like Brahma, He's a Pita Maha, the head of the demigod, the Gunavatar, Lord Shiva there. But Lord Vishnu, he chooses to speak at this point in time to Daksha. True, Daksha is the one who is the organizer and, and the promoter of the event of the sacrifice. But we, we can see from what the Lord says why he's addressing. Daksha, why he selected Daksha out of everyone to speak to. And the words of the Lord, everything about the Lord, we should pay great attention to. Great is actually euphemistic. We should very much be listening with rapt attention because the Lord's words, every syllable of it is precious.
pregnant with import. There's a lot of meaning to it. So we're seeing here what he's telling, what he's telling Daksha. He turns his attention to Daksha. Everyone you can imagine, they're just hanging on the Lord's words and listening with rapt attention. So he says, my dear Daksha Dweecha, I am the original personality of Godhead. But in order to create, maintain, and annihilate this cosmic manifestation, I act through my material energy. And according to the different grades of activity, my representations are differently named. So we'll see in the Lord's speech that there's a lot of possessive pronouns. I, he says, I am the Lord. I act through my material energy, my material energy, my representations. So these words here are denoting a lot about possession, ownership, that who is the owner of everything? It is he who's the original personality of Godhead. He's the owner of the material energy. He's the owner of his representations who have different names. He is the doer, he's acting. So the Lord is telling Daksha, he's making this point that actually for your information, I am the owner of everything. And Krishna asserts that again in the Bhagavad Gita when he says, Aham sarvasya pavavo mata sarvam pavarpati iti madva bhajantimam buddhabhava samandutaha. So he's saying, actually Arjuna, I am the source of all spiritual and material worlds, everything emanates from me. And the wise who know this worship me with all their hearts, with love and devotion. He also makes that point again in the Bhagavad Gita in 529, when he affirms again, he's saying, Bhuktaram Yagya Tapasam, Sarva Loka Maheshwaram, Suhridam Sarva Bhutanam, Yatya Mam Shantam Richiti. Bhaktaram Yagya Tapasam, Sarva Loka Maheshwara. He's saying, I am one who is in full consciousness of me. He knows. Such a person knows that I am the beneficiary of all austerities and sacrifices, and I'm Sarva Loka Maheshwara. Maheshwara. He's a controller of all the planets. Loka Maheshwara. So, what he's telling Daksha here, he's asserted in many other places. And everyone knows for a fact, at least what people who are religious, theistic, or just plain pious, that we know innately, like naturally, that knowledge is there, that the Lord is the origin of everything. He's also, he's, he's explaining that to, uh, to Daksha. And why is he telling Daksha all this? Why is he saying that to Daksha? Doesn't Daksha know? He's a devotee. Daksha is a devotee. Even non-devotees know that. Even just people who are just churchgoers and they're not very much steeped in spiritual practice, they, they know that the Lord is a supreme proprietor. Why is he telling Daksha this? So we're seeing he's talking about possession. He's a possessor. He says, I own everything, Daksha, everything. I own the spiritual energy. I act through my material energy. My representations are differently named. They're all, they all belong to me. Why is he making these points to Daksha? And then it's interesting also, we'll come to that, why he's addressing Daksha and speaking to him. And the content of his words. Why is he telling Daksha this? And also, it's quite interesting how uh, he addresses Daksha. He says, Daksha Dvija. Daksha means expert. And Daksha is indeed an expert in the service he's doing as a progenitor of mankind. He is, he is a, a super reproductive, almost like a machine, you could say, 
spawning thousands upon thousands of, of children, of offspring. He's so very expert in that area of uh, procreation. So he's expert and he's Dweja. He's calling him Dweja. Dweja means twice born. Why is he addressing Daksha as Dweja? Well, first of all, literally at this point in time, Daksha is twice born because he was Daksha with a human head. And then he got, it's like off with his head. He was so offensive to Lord Shiva that Virabhadra decapitated him. Uh, he lost his life. And then by the mercy of Lord Shiva, he got a, a goat's head. So what a scene here. You have Lord Vishnu, he's giving this all this attention to this goat-headed man in the arena and everyone's just listening. Seems like with the goat's head, he has more sense than the man's head. So he's saying twice born. So literally, Daksha is twice born. And the usual meaning, the usual meaning of the term Dvija means one is twice born in the sense of one has second birth, not just physically like him, but spiritually. A twice born person is someone who his first birth is by naturally his biological parents. He has a mother, he has a father, they are his biological parents. That's the first birth we have. But unless we get the second birth, we don't become truly civilized or cultured or prepared to understand wisdom, Vedic wisdom. So the scriptures enjoin that second birth should be, uh, should be accepted. One should accept initiation, the spiritual initiation from an authorized spiritual master, that's the guru. So Daksha is a devotee, no doubt he has the guru, maybe it's Behaspati or somebody else. So he, he has a guru. So the guru is seen as the father. And who is seen as the mother? The mother is actually the one who tells you and points out to you, this is your father. So who is the mother in spiritual initiation? That's the Vedic wisdom, the Vedic scriptures. The scriptures, the Shastra, they point to you that Krishna, he's a supreme father. Ahambija Pradapita, Krishna says, I'm the seed giving father of all living entities. And he wants Daksha to remember that and keep that in mind. Vishnu wants that. So the, the scriptures, the Shastra points out to us that Krishna is the supreme father and his representatives, we should listen to them. They are, rep as he says here, Vishnu, they are representations. The guru is one of those more prominent representations. So Daksha is expert, Daksha is twice born. So why is Krishna, uh, why is Vishnu saying, oh, by the way, FYI, for your information, everything, everything that there is, inferior energy, superior energy, positive, negative, inanimate nature, like my material energy, animate living beings like my representations, Daksha Dvija, they actually belong to me. I own them. Why is he saying that? Daksha is supposed to know be better than that. And actually he is supposed to understand what are the implications of Krishna's ownership over everything. He should understand the implications of that is that we should see everything in relation to Krishna that everything is related to Krishna. Everything, all Krishna's energies are intimately related to him. That is a subtext here, what Lord Vishnu is speaking to Daksha, that Daksha, my energies are all intimately related to me. And also you are part of that energy. So you are intimately related to me. And we see Krishna keeps that in mind. He, he speaks, Vishnu speaks in a very sensitive manner. He's not giving him the source in a way to make him feel even worse than he's feeling so regretful and penitent. 
So Krishna, he's speaking in, in a very sweet, subtle way, alluding to, to Daksha's uh, previous misbehavior, his misconceptions. So he's telling him in a very subtle way, he's alluding to his previous consciousness, previous behavior, and letting him know that you should know better than this, you Dvija, you're expert as a devotee, that your behavior before was displeasing to me. As Prabhupada mentions in a previous purport, that Vishnu is letting Daksha know that this behavior is unacceptable. It's, as they say, non-negotiable. So by Krishna pointing out, Vishnu pointing out that he's a supreme proprietor, he's making it known, he's inferring to Daksha that everything and everyone is intimately related to me and they're never separate from me. My energies and me, myself, the supreme energetic, we're inseparable. Many nice analogies is given of that in the scriptures. And one common analogy is that just as the sun in the sky and the sun's rays, they're always one. They're not separated from the sun. They're eternally related to the sun. Sometimes they might appear separated. On a clear day, it might not seem so. It seems like a clear day today. Sometimes there's the sun, a lot of cumulus clouds in the sky in Colorado. And it seems like that maybe maybe some interruption and separation between the sun and the sun rays, but that is never so. That is actually an illusion. So the sun and its rays are always together. Heat and light, they're always there with the fire. That's, that's just how it is naturally. We can see that from experience and observation. So Lord Vishnu is pointing, pointing that out. I own everything. All my energies, they're all intimately united with me. And you should understand that, Daksha, because he's telling Daksha in a very nice way, very gentle. It's a gentle but a firm reminder that you're not, you might know this knowledge, but how to actually act upon it. We see that there's this gyan, we have knowledge, just like Daksha. We're practicing neophyte devotees. We have the knowledge and might say, oh yeah, I know, you know, we should see everything in relation to Krishna and see Paramatma in the heart. Uh, like Vidya Vinaya Sampane, Brahmane Gavi Hastini, Shuni Chaiva Sopakecha, Pandita Sama Darshana. You know, the truly, the, the humble sage by virtue of true knowledge, that knowledge is not just yarn, it's vigyan, it's realized knowledge. He sees the learned and gentle Brahmana, and he sees all these different animals, cow, elephant, dog. He sees a dog eater also. He sees them at equal vision. He sees that the Lord, that the Lord owns all of them, that the Lord is in the heart of all of them, and they're all part and parcel of God. So we, we may claim, yeah, I know all that. I know this knowledge. But sometimes we forget. Many times we forget. Look at the case of Daksha. He's a very uh, elevated personality to get a service like this. He must have some merit. But yet, because of being consumed by the low modes of passion and ignorance, due to his having so much influence and power, he gets carried away and the modes take over and he's acting on his false ego and being so disrespectful to other living entities, especially Krishna's direct representatives. <clears throat> so prominent devotee like Daksha can't sustain that vision of Pandita Samadarshana. What to speak of me? what to speak of many of us. We try to apply that philosophy. Yes, we know all the verses, we've heard about it. We should see the Lord in the heart. How, how can we sustain that, that perspective in life? It's quite challenging. 
how to see everything in relation in relation with God. Because even Daksha, you see with him, he got so carried away that that vision became, it was so elusive. That vision, that Panita Sama vision, the Sama vision, it's elusive. We experience it's ephemeral. We have great intentions, yes. I'll try to be respectful to everyone. I'll try to follow nicely. I'll try to see everything in relationship with others, but it's very difficult. We are conditioned not to see everyone as equal. And we live in a world, <coughs> we live in a world where there are, there's so much discrimination because the nature of the material world is that there are so many distinctions. The philosophy and the theory of oneness of universal brotherhood, we might know it or we might emulate that it's just an idea for us. It's a nice idea, but actually put into practice, we're up against many odds. The paradigm of the material world is very materialistic, so much discrimination, and then we ourselves conditioning from so many lifetimes. So how can actually one see everything, see God's energies in relationship with the Lord and act accordingly? How can one do that? The scriptures say that we can't do that just with the naked eye, with the naked physical vision. We see, oh, the Lord is Paramatma in the heart of every living entity. And we try to sustain that vision on our own. Scripture says it's actually very difficult to do that. The word Anukashitaha is mentioned in the Sri Shapanishad. That's such a pandit of Samadhir Darshana vision <coughs> can't be seen with physical vision alone. So what does Shastra advise us to do? To see everything in relationship with the Lord. Shastra advises that we have, we can't see, we can't see and sustain that vision unless we take knowledge from a superior source. We take knowledge from the highest source. And what is that highest source? The highest source is Vedic wisdom spoken by the Lord himself. And the Lord himself, indeed, he does. He does advise us and he does speak to us. Very much so. In the Vedic scriptures, right now he's speaking here and he's instructing Daksha Dvija. I was thinking like, why not Bhakta Daksha, but Daksha Dvija. He's instructing Daksha here. So he's hearing directly from the Lord. That the Lord is the owner of everything. And the subtext is, therefore, if you love me, you love my children. If you love me, you love my energies. As Prabhupada give the, gives the example. If you love me, love my dog. You may not like some of, of, the different, of my different representations. They might seem obnoxious to you. They're not your type incompatibility, whatever else. But there should be some respect, respect in the heart for all fellow creatures. And just remembering that they are Krishna's representations. They may have different names, like different species. One might be called, oh, there's a bird. This is an aquatic. That one is a reptile. This one is a plant. We should always have that vision that they are Krishna's representations. They may have all these different names and subnames and subset of different names. Like Brahma, it's like a post, Shiva, Brahma, um, knowledge, Brahman, intelligence, Shiva, the all auspicious one. He's a great example of someone who sees everyone and everything in relationship to God. And so Daksha had a great example of a person that he could learn from, but yet he refused because he was acting out a false ego. So scripture advises the highest source of knowledge is Vedic wisdom spoken by the Lord himself and coming down in parampara to the great devotees like the Mahabhagata. 
the Mahabhagavata is the topmost devotee. This person is most advanced, pure, untainted in every respect. So that Mahabhagavata, he has the secret of the summer vision, seeing everything in relationship with God. He's the Uttama Adhikari, and he can see with the eyes of the soul, he can see that there is a, a gentle and learned Brahmana, there is a dog, there's an elephant and so on. But he can actually visibly perceive that Krishna is in the hearts of all these living entities and therein lies their equality with Krishna. And so he knows how to deal with each person. So the Mahabhagavata holds a secret by which he can show us and teach us that not only do we understand and realize that Krishna and the Jiva and the Paramatma, they both reside in the hearts of the living entities. But what do we do with that knowledge? Now that we have that knowledge, how do we apply it? What are the implications of that knowledge? How do we put it into practice? So the great devotees, the Mahabhavatas, they teach us how to actually apply that knowledge in our daily lives. We see that they make a, a very happy, balanced medium that they take care of a person's, not just the body, but they attend to the spiritual needs of the soul. So there are so many examples of the activities of a Mahabhavata. The Mahabhavata or the Uttama Adhikari, he sees everyone, everyone is devotee, whether you're an atheist or a theist, he does not discriminate. He is equal to all. So then he arranges to have programs like we see with our Acharya, Srila Prabhupada, and the previous Acharyas and Parampara from Krishna, that whatever activities, welfare activities they perform for the souls, Krishna is always in it. So they're doing prasadam distribution. Prasadam di distribution where you have sanctified foodstuffs offered to Krishna. So then they're distributing this prasad, this prasad to the, the living entities, the conditioned souls, where the souls have food for the body. Yes, that's there. But since it's prasadam, the Lord's mercy, it's food for the soul. And when one takes prasadam, he's guaranteed to have a human birth again in the next life. That's the beginning of his good fortune in the path of bhakti, of Krishna consciousness. So devotees, they engage in activities like that, prasadam distribution, knowledge, teachings of Shastra, and like we have that uh, regular book distribution, Sankirtan, in our society, where we're trying to teach public and give them this knowledge to see the Lord, see everything in relationship with the Lord. So in that way, the great devotees they're actually teaching what is true brotherhood. Many people are into that. They like that idea, universal brotherhood, unity and diversity. But Prabhupada says the, the, the persons who can actually teach what is actual true brotherhood, that's the pure devotee. So we are learning from Srila Prabhupada and the previous Acharyas through getting hands-on advice as to how to apply this knowledge of Pandita Samadarsha in our daily lives for the pleasure of Krishna. <clears throat> so this universal brotherhood must be learned from the Uttama Adhikari or the representatives of the Uttama Adhikari. So in this way, Lord Vishnu, he is instructing, there's a, a like kind of it's not so veiled, really, a, a message to Daksha that, yes, you, you like me or you love me, love my energies, love my representations. Otherwise, it's not pleasing. Like we see Lord Vishnu is very satisfied to just get his share of the sacrifice because he was thinking about his dear devotees also. He wanted Shiva to get his share of the sacrifice. God wanted that. And then like some upstart comes and wants to maliciously deny 
Krishna's dear devotees a share of the sacrifice. The Lord is setting the example. He doesn't want to encroach on others' share or quota. He's setting the example. So he's showing actively by his behavior and by his words to Daksha that you're Dvija. You should actually live up to that. Live up to your expertise and live up to that twice born status that you have, like behave yourself. So he's giving Daksha like a self-fulfilling prophecy. He's putting Daksha on, to, on his behavior, on his proper behavior. So the Lord is helping. He's always willing to help. He, it's amazing here that out of everybody, he chose to talk to someone who was the villain of the piece, like the culprit, the one who was responsible for the whole mailing, the whole brawl. He chose him the most badly behaved person, he's helping him and giving him this advice in, in a very uh, palatable manner. So to conclude, we're seeing, um, first of all, we talked about Krishna and his making his appearance, his benedicting and giving mercy to the devotees after they had this big fight, this riot. Still, the Lord wasn't so disgusted, he came he gave us mercy, uh, he made his appearance, and he spoke. And whatever he spoke was for everyone's benefit, especially Daksha, it was beneficial. He gave Daksha a gentle but firm reminder. So he was reinforcing that lesson to Daksha. It was ultimately Vishnu who caused Daksha to be beheaded. So he, he learned a really harsh lesson there. And now he's speaking to Daksha, and he's reminding him that Actually, I'm the origin of all, all the energies, whether they're animate, inanimate, I'm the control of all, you know, Ishavasya Yudam Sarvam, Yatkim Chajagatyam Yudaka, Tena Jeptena Bunjika, Magrida Pasha Sudanam, Sri Ishapanishad, text one. That Krishna is a controller, and so he's, he's reminding Daksha of that, and he's putting Daksha onto his, his Krishna conscious behavior because. He, uh, he pointed out, he referred very subtly to Daksha's previous misbehavior that he was sorely unaware of the implications and the applications of Achintya Beda Beda Tapa. He knew it theoretically, but like how to put it into practice, he couldn't do it. It was difficult for him. And he's making the point that if you love me, I understand that you do. You have some feelings and affinity and affection for me. You come to me. But if you love me, love my energies. Or at least respect them if you can't love them. And be aware and at least not be offensive. Not Don't be uh, obnoxious in your behavior. Because my enemies, my, my, my energies aren't my enemies. They're, they're an intimate part of me. In the beginning, like Prophet says in the poem, in, in the beginning, there was only Vishnu. And then he expanded. So everything is, is Vishnu. And yet not Vishnu at the same time. Krishna is a reservoir of all paradoxes. So he's reminding him that they're an intimate part of me. They're inseparable. So you should deal with them very uh, carefully, very properly. And then we talked about uh, this vision of seeing everything in relationship to Krishna. Sometimes it can be quite uh, difficult for us to do because of our conditioning and the, the paradigm of the world, the separatist mentality that's in the world, discrimination, distinction, like Daksha, he had that separatist neophyte mentality. So we talked about how he can sustain that summer vision. And then we said that Scriptures say that you can, you can't uh, have that vision just physically, physiologically. I see, it won't be sustained for long. We have to hear from a supreme, superior source, and that source is hearing from God Himself. Like we're hearing Vishnu speaking here, the Lord Himself. We hear from the Lord, and we hear from the Lord's uh, representations who come in the form of the Guru, the spiritual master. Uh, and the Uttamadikaris, the very advanced devotees and, and the strict followers of the advanced devotee. 
So we hear from the Uttamadikaris, from the sadhus, from the gurus, from the shastra, and in that way we can um, we can actually implement, we can uh, apply that theoretical knowledge of how to act out and how to put into practice and demonstrate that theory of achintya beta beta tattva and what it means in our lives. And in that way, Krishna won't be displeased like how he was displeased with Daksha, with his separatist mentality, but he will be pleased to see that we are trying to cultivate that, uh, that vision, that spiritual vision, that Krishna vision of seeing everything that be in relationship to Krishna. So I'll stop here. There are any questions, comments, or discussion? Hi, Paul. Hi, Paul. Thank you very much. And uh, I was just thinking as you were talking about this, excuse me, this vision of um, seeing Krishna, Samadarshana, and all this. Um, so, on. Um, Unless we engage in our sadhana and the sankirtan movement, uh, as you were mentioning, uh, unless we engage in this sadhana in such a way that we understand more and more that Krishna is non different from his name, then, uh, <coughs> excuse me, then we won't. Um, we won't be able to have that vision, that Samadarshana. So I was, I was wondering if you could, <coughs> excuse me, say something about that. Um, you know, how we have a <laughs> responsibility to um, um, beg and endeavor <laughs> for, for that vision uh, or uh, complete realization so that we can uh, properly understand this um, brotherhood and uh, have this proper vision. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, we ourselves, if we want to uh, spread the knowledge to everyone and be of assistance to people and awaken their dormant Krishna consciousness, then we ourselves have to set a proper example we are, it's like healer, heal thyself. We have to practice what we preach. So like you were saying, we're doing the Harinam Sankirtan, which is the Yagya for this age. And the main way we can actually remember Krishna and see Krishna and everything is in our practice. And the core of our practice, as you were mentioning, is the chanting of the Hare Krishna Mahamantra. So we are always uh, chanting our Japa, chanting in kirtan, japa and so on. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So we chant, we learn from the devotees, they wean us, and this constant chanting of Hare Krishna. Some people wonder, why these people only chanting the same song? It has great purposes and one is like we always remember Krishna the chanting of the Hare Krishna Mahamantra. It, it fixes us, it stabilizes us, our consciousness. We always remember Krishna. So by always chanting Hare Krishna, then that helps us immensely to see everything in relationship with Krishna. When we first come to Krishna consciousness, we're still with that mentality that we're the center of the universe. So if we get a flower, Automatically, we put it to the nose. We want to smell it. You know, we want to taste food stuff. We're the center. We're very ego-centric, ego-centered. But when we're learning in Krishna consciousness from those who have been instructed by the Uttamadikaris and our followers, you know, representations of Krishna, 
then we learn to see so it's not it's not difficult we become reinvented there, there's a whole paradigm shift from i me and my numero uno macho like daksha to the krishna centered life the krishna centered life so then we're learning actively and oh this flower is what's and sometimes you wonder what's the purpose of nature all this beauty is it just there and we think it's my enjoyment but it's krishna's energy as is he's reminding daksha here that everything belongs to krishna and everything should be offered to krishna patram pushpam palam Krishna says, offer me leaf, flower, fruit, little water, with love and devotion, bhaktiya, I will accept it. So then we learn that that shift in, in our, in the par paradigm, we are that materialistic paradigm, where we're learning hands-on that everything should be for the purpose of Krishna. Everything close myself everything i belong to krishna and since i belong to krishna it is imperative that i act in a certain way as a, a fit belonging of krishna as a fit representation of krishna so when we try for that we sincerely with our hearts yearning we want to 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 be good in krishna consciousness we want to act properly we want to dance to krishna's tune and Krishna in the heart, he sees that and he sends like multifarious aids. They come to us. The spiritual master comes to us, the devotees, the sadhus, they're teaching us to have that vision. Like when you're cooking the boga, you're not supposed to taste. You don't taste and we learn the art of uh, calculating how many spices to put in the foodstuffs and so on. So everything is Krishna-centered. And that way that selflessness comes about. And because of that training, we get into Sangha, the Sadhu Sangha, then it helps us so much. It pushes us forward where we can learn actively to see everything in relationship with Krishna. So it's very important that we submit to the process uh, in an, uh, not in a begrudging way, but very enthusiastically that we want to learn, we want to re-educate ourselves. We want to act on the on the basis of our real self, the soul, and not uh, or not on the base, not on the bodily concept of life. Would you like to add anything to that, Nico Kubo? Thank you. Um, yeah, the the only way we can really do it all is in association of devotees. So uh, thanks for your association <laughs> in the class. And uh, yeah, so that's it. We have to plug in in that way. So yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. There you go. Anyone else? Thanks, Madam Parameshwari, for the class. I was appreciating the point you were talking about. Uh, you, I think you brought up something about... Trisha, the volume is really low. I'm not hearing you so well. Okay. I'll just have to turn the speaker off. Yeah, thanks for class, Madam Parameshwari. There was some point in the class we were talking about uh, enemies. And um, it reminded me of a purport where Prabhupada said... I'm not sure if you read it or not. I, I was in and out. With the kids here um but anyways you were referencing about you know the mahabhagavat and they have no enemies or they don't see others they see everything as part and parcel of krishna so i i this purport in chapter 12 text 14 um there's a nice sentence here Srila Prabhupada says it's in the thread of verses about those who are dear to krishna it says a pure devotee is never disturbed in any circumstances nor is he envious of anyone nor does a devotee become his enemy's enemy. He thinks, this person is acting as my enemy due to my own misdeeds. So it is better to suffer than to protest. So I just thought that's kind of the in-depth reflection of how Vaishnava, as you were saying, you know, in the class that, 
you know, in the mundane world, yeah, especially these days, right? Protest and blame. Um, but here Prabhupada's referring to this, these persons who are Priya, who are dear to Krishna. They, they don't, they, they, uh, yeah, they, they, they reflect in this manner. They think this person is acting as my enemy due to my own past misdeeds. And then just, uh, just I was inspired to um, just share these verses in 14th chapter. Um, Mother Nidra was talking about the practice of sadhana and coming to this platform. And I just think it's so nice how Krishna, if, it's, if, I, if I could, um, Arjuna asks in the 14th chapter, he says, text 21, he says, um, my dear Lord, by which symptoms is one known who is transcendental to these three modes? What is his behavior and how does he transcend the modes of nature? So this is, and then Krishna, I don't want to read the whole verse, but regarding the point you were bringing up about Samadarshina, Krishna responds. And then um, in, that, in the response, in the thread of qualities, uh, Krishna says, who looks upon a lump of earth, stone, a piece of gold with an equal eye, who is equal toward the desirable and undesirable, who is steady, situated equally well in praise and blame, honor and dishonor, who treats alike both friend and enemy, and who has renounced all material activity, such a person is said to have transcended the modes of nature. And then he closes off saying, one who engages in full devotional service, unfailing in all circumstances, at once transcends the modes of material nature, thus comes to the level of Brahman. So I just thought that point Mother Nidra was bringing up, that uh, unfailing devotional service, that nishta, that fixed practice, and um, a result of that, at least, if there's depth in it, will be that these qualities that Krishna is managing to Arjuna will start to manifest in one's life. So, anyways, just a few reflections. I was mainly thinking of those points you were talking about, Samadarshina, and um, yeah, how a devotee moves gracefully in this world of such, you know, polarized dealings with our, you know, with our own internal dualities as well as the dualities in the environment. Yeah, thank you for that. Thank you. That reminded me of. Um... This verse in the Sri Ishopanishad, um, Mantra 6. Yastu sarvani bhutani atmaneva nupashiti sarvabhute chitatmanam tadanavi jigupsate. He who sees everything in relation to the Supreme Lord, who sees all living entities as his parts and parcels, and who sees the Supreme Lord within everything, never hates anything nor any being yeah that's reminding me of that nice so thank you anyone else i have a question of course please uh, uh, but there is a, a a post on the chat box by barbara maybe you want to read it I think what Vishnu is trying to, to emphasize in his teaching is... I can hardly hear. The volume is really low. Okay, I, I keep hearing that. All right. I will adjust my computer so that it'll go a little bit. I'm in a big room without any furniture, so <laughs> I'm bouncing. Is this better? Hare Krishna? Be a little louder. <clears throat> I don't know how to, okay. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Um, Vishnu is teaching us that his ego is not being offended by showing obligations to Shiva because what he really is doing is showing obligations to Vishnu within Shiva. So he doesn't need to worry about that, that he can give obligations because this is the appropriate share that is due Shiva. And he need not be worried that this is an offense, um, a, a belittlement of his own standing, Daksha standing. Yeah, he's not threatened. <laughs> he's not what? He's not threatened. His ego is not threatened in any way. Exactly. And it made me yeah. think of the mantra number one in the, Ish, the, the Ishpanishads, saying it's that we all should stick, we should all be content with our own share, including the share that goes to Shiva or Vishnu. So I thought that was really beautiful. And um, when you asked us how we can see 
and Mother Nidra asked about the Hare Krishna mantra. If someone is saying Hare Krishna, I see their lips moving and I can hear that that sound is coming from them. So there is the Lord being manifested with my material senses. I can see that. And even if he just hears it, I can imagine it's going through his ear canal and it's physically now present in that individual. <laughs> so the mantra, it's that just saying the name of the Lord can make us see the Lord within the other very, very materialistically, you know? So I just think that was kind of, um, I just wanted to share that. I wish I had more questions to ask during these classes, but I think I'm still in the primary mode of, of just receiving the information and not going to the critical part yet. So thank you very much for class today. Thank you. Thank you. I'm looking forward to your input. Thank you. I'll, I'll work on my adjustment on my volume. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Vijay Krishna Prabhu, you, did you have anything? Yes, uh, for the Meshwari Mataji, ma thank you for your class and my obeisances. My question is related to you mentioning during your class uh, in relation to spiritual brotherhood. Yes. Okay, so the verse that I need to present to you in order to ask my question is as follows from chapter four entitled Transcendental Knowledge, verse number 11, it goes as follows. As all surrender unto me, I reward them accordingly. Everyone follows my path in all respects, O son of Prita. So my question is in relation to uh, this part of this verse, quote, everyone follows my path in all respects. Um, my question is, would you substantiate your presentation in relation to spiritual brotherhood with this part of this verse? What, is what there, part is, of this? Could you repeat that part of the verse again? Universal brotherhood in in relation to everyone follows my path in all respects. Is it yes. that everyone uh, uh, following the path of Lord Krishna in all respects makes us um, um, brothers and sisters? Everyone, everyone is following Krishna's path in all respect because everything is Krishna. He's the origin and the origin is one only. So they're not out, out of Krishna's sphere of energies and activities, right? They might be yes. situated in the spiritual energy or, or the mayic energy, the external energy, they're an illusion, but they're still following Krishna's path. It, there's nothing outside of that because Krishna, Krishna is everything. So with the universal brotherhood, in the, um, the cultivation, of that vision, that perspective, that that uh, that understanding comes naturally. Like you have Prabhupada mentions eight million four hundred thousand life forms, and the living entities they're acting under the influence of the modes of material nature. They have different bodies. They have different combinations of the modes within them. The devotees they understand that. Their vision is more profound than that of a non-devotee. They can actually see and understand, they can gauge where someone is at, even just physically by their, their physiognomy, their behavior, um, their activities. One can understand where a person is at. So then the devotee develops um, Devotee naturally has more understanding his, since his vision is, more, is deeper, is more profound. He can understand where people are at and, and how to um, engage them properly in Krishna consciousness. So that cultivation, that cultivation and putting into practice the philosophy of Krishna consciousness helps one to interact and relate with people more and be more um, 
accepting and understanding like the, the Paramahamsas. That's why they don't discriminate between anyone. They're on such a high platform that they, they think everyone is devotee and they act in that capacity of universal brotherhood. So devotee gains that understanding that one might be engaged in different activities and different representations of Vishnu, different forms of life, but he understands that regardless of the situation, that the snake, the elephant, the dog, the microbe, we have this brotherhood, this brotherhood that we're all part and parcel of Krishna. That realization uh, is concomitant with one's practice and degree of practice of bhakti, Krishna consciousness. Does that make sense? Yes, completely. Thank you very much for your wonderful answer. Hare Krishna. Thank you. So I guess we can end here, unless someone else has something to add. Thank you very much, Ben. Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai. Srila Prabhupada Jai. Hari 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 Thank you. Hari Bol. Thank you. Hari